This is the broadcast voice of Marshall University. WMUL-FM, Huntington, West Virginia. And now, News Center 88 at 5, the area source for the most complete news coverage from across the campus of Marshall University and the Huntington Tri-State area. And now, the News Center 88 team. For more than a month, Daryl George, a black high school student in Texas, spent each school day sitting by himself in punishment over his hairstyle. The commitments were far-reaching and ambitious. Among them, end extreme poverty and hunger. Ensure every child on earth gets a quality secondary education. From Tennessee to Maine, lawmakers have agreed to spend hundreds of millions of dollars so adults on Medicaid, the federal health program, can get dental care. Marshall University recently held a sneaker ball at the Memorial Student Center to celebrate Homecoming Week. As Luke Hamilton reports, college students are using fashion as an increasingly popular way to express themselves. Do fun, be happy, do what makes you happy. The way college students express happiness can be determined by their choices in fashion. Marshall University recently held a sneaker ball, where guests could pick out a nice outfit and pair it with their favorite sneakers. The winner of the best dress contest and a current student described their outfit choices and the importance of having a unique style. My sorority colors are blue and gold, so I wanted to tap into that gold. It makes my skin look absolutely amazing. And... I'm always going to shine. It's my favorite part of being me. I mean, I wear a lot of crazy outfits, not just because it's a sneaker ball. I would wear this normally, and it happens a lot. We show up to the music that we play and stuff. We show up, and everybody's in sweatpants, and I always like to wear suits because it's fun. It's good to express yourself. Other guests at the event say that fashion is important for expressing culture and creativity. We're all different. We all come from different places. We all have different backgrounds, different upbringings. So it's important to allow people to express themselves how they feel comfortable. I feel like how you dress is a characteristic of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's literally an expression. That's why it's considered an art. Like, fashion is considered an art. Yeah, and when you look good, you feel good, so... 100%. Events on college campuses like Sneaker Ball bring out the true colors of former and current Marshall students. <laughs> For News Center 88, I'm Luke Hamilton. Thanks, Luke. For more upcoming events on campus, visit events.marshall.edu. Good evening, everyone. For this Wednesday, June 7th, 2023, I'm David Atkins. And I'm Michaela Wheeler. Coming up this evening on News Center 88, Richmond police say the gunman who opened fire after Virginia High School graduation targeted a graduate. All on your only daily source for Marshall Broadcast News. Coming up next, Rebecca Law will have a complete look at your Metro Huntington weather forecast when News Center 88 returns right after this. School's out, but the news never sleeps. Join us for the summer edition of News Center 88. Your cutting edge crew is on the clock to deliver up to date coverage of news from around the globe, ensuring you stay informed while you have fun in the summer sun. Whether you're heading back home from a long day of swimming at the beach or you're driving out of town for a camping trip, catch News Center 88 on air or online at marshall.edu/wmul weekdays at 5 p.m. We've got you covered. Welcome back to News Center 88. I'm Rebecca Law, and now it's time for your Metro Huntington weather forecast. Currently outside the WMUL studios, it is a sunny 78 degrees. 
Today, the high is 80 and the low is 52 degrees. It has been a beautifully sunny day all day, with clear skies holding into the evening and winds up to 10 miles per hour. Tomorrow, the high will be 84 and the low will be 58 degrees. Tomorrow morning and afternoon will be partly to mostly cloudy skies, which will create light rain showers around midnight. All day, there will be winds up to 10 miles per hour. Wednesday, the high will be 77 and the low will be 48 degrees. Much like Tuesday, it will be cloudy all day with winds up to 10 miles per hour. However, there will not be rain, which is great. Today in weather history, in 1859, frost was reported from Iowa to New England. The temperature dipped to 25 degrees in New York State and up to two inches of snow blanketed Ohio. Thank you to weather.com and weather4u.com for this information. Currently outside the WMUL studios, it is a sunny 78 degrees. That's your Metro Huntington weather forecast for News Center 88. I'm Rebecca Law. It's a mostly sunny 76 degrees out there today, making it a perfect time to go outside and get some lawn work done. Enjoy these slightly cooler temperatures while you still can, as the heat will creep back in on Saturday, reaching a high of 80 degrees and 86 on Sunday. In the meantime, temperatures will remain in the mid to low 70s tomorrow and Friday. With 19 of the deaths occurring in the Eastbrook Mobile Home Park located to the southeast of the city, it was Indiana's deadliest tornado since the super outbreak on April 3rd, 1974. Meanwhile, in Marshall softball news, a Marshall softball player had a historic weekend. Here's John Boggess with more. Junior catcher and infielder Autumn Owen broke the Marshall softball record for most home runs hit in a single weekend at the Liberty Classic Sunday. Owen was just six years old and likely starting to learn hand-eye coordination when the previous record holder, Rachel Folden, hit five home runs at the 2006 Atlanta Buzz Classic. Owen's performance earned her Sunbelt Softball Player of the Week, making her the first member of the herd to achieve the honor in its debut season as a member of the conference. In addition, Owen was recognized by the National Fastball Coaches Association as one of the selected top performances of the week. Owen is grateful to have people to commemorate the weekend with. The best part is to have a team to celebrate it with. We celebrate the little things. We celebrate the big things. We celebrate everything together. And that's what makes it like so great for anyone to get an accomplishment or anyone to do anything. Marshall's reputation is known for strong power hitters, with Folden being one of the premier in the home run category. In the weekend Folden hit five home runs, she was given Buzz Classic All-Tournament honors and named Conference USA Co-Hitter of the Week. Folden that season would also go on to set the Marshall record for most home runs hit in a single season with 18 and was named Conference USA Regular Season Player of the Year. Folden is now a minor league hitting coach in the Chicago Cubs organization. Owen says it's an honor to be listed in the record book alongside Folden. To be in company with somebody as great as she was and still is and what she's doing now, that's awesome. And especially to have her as an alumni for Marshall. This past season, Marshall's lineup featured a trio of power hitters on the roster. Maya Stevenson surpassed Folden's 58 career home run record at Marshall with 59, following the Herd's regular season series with Louisiana. And attack. Stevenson's teammate, Allie Harrell, sits at third in the category with 53. Stevenson also holds the record for most home runs hit in a single season, with 20 in her freshman season in 2019. She shares that record with her other teammate, Sage Pye, who hit 20 this past season. Currently, Owen has hit 33 home runs in her career, with only 16 of them being as a member of the herd. Before transferring to Marshall this past season, she spent her previous two seasons with Gardner-Webb. Marshall softball head coach Megan Smith-Lyon has coached many of the herd's recent 
recent notable power hitters. She acknowledged Owen's performance this weekend as something you don't see every day. I've never had a hitter be as dominant as she was in my entire career. And she was locked in every at-bat and she was focused. And the thing about it is that she wasn't doing that for herself. And that's what makes Autumn so special. She's locked in and focused to perform for her team. Owen led the herd to a 4-1 record at the Liberty Classic. It had shutout wins against Northern Illinois and Morgan State, as well as victories against Princeton and Elon. The only loss of the weekend was to the team who played host, Liberty. Owen and the herd returned to action yesterday for the start of the thundering herd round robin. In its home opener, the herd swept Moorhead State, improving its record to 13-3. and The team will face Kent State tomorrow and again on Sunday, as well as Pitt. For FM 88 Sports, I'm John Boggess. This Saturday and Sunday is West Virginia's free fishing weekend. When fishing does not require a license, decreasing the cost of participation and drawing more people to the beautiful public waters of the Mountain State. As David Adkins reports, local electrical workers use the opportunity to get tri-state kids involved in the outdoors. Saturday, June 10th and Sunday, June 11th, fishing in West Virginia does not require a license. Coinciding with Free Fishing Weekend, every year members from Local 317 of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, or IBEW, partner with the Union Sportsman Alliance with the aim to further access to fishing. The Union Sportsman Alliance supports union workers around the country financially for outdoor sports and wildlife conservation efforts. Both organizations accomplished this with the annual Tri-State Take Kids Fishing Day event that provides a free lunch and fishing gear at Barbersville Park. There's a chance of catching just about anything. Bluegill, bass, catfish, crappie, they're there in the lake. That's Josh Bills, an organizer with the Huntington's IBEW Local 317. He says that the event is an opportunity to connect kids with the outdoors. It may be something that you're hooked on, end up having a lifelong love affair with the outdoors, and this might be the spark that gets the fire going. Bill says that seeing how happy kids are when they receive their brand new fishing poles creates good memories every year. Unfortunately, the tri-state area, you know, we're kind of an underprivileged part of the country. A lot of kids that may not have access or the resources to go fishing. So giving them a fishing pole and saying, hey, here, this is yours to take home. You can go fishing with it anytime you want to. We feel like that's a big help for people that may not have access to something like that unless somebody helps them out. The fifth annual Tri-State Take Kids Fishing Day is Saturday, June 10th from 8 to 10.30 a.m. at the Barbersville Park. Pre-registration, as well as a parent, guardian, or chaperone are required for participants. For News Center 88, I'm David Atkins. Cabell County Public Library is gearing up for the 2023 Summer Reading Program. They will kickstart this summer's festivities with a block party on Monday. Readers can expect some incentives coming their way for participating in the program. For every 10 picture books for the younger ones, they get a raffle ticket. And for every 100 pages for middle school and older, they will get a raffle ticket. And they get to drop those into buckets to win prizes throughout the summer. It's a really fun time. That was Angela Arthur the Youth Services Department Manager at the Cabell County Public Library. Arthur's Assistant Manager and Children's Librarian Stacy Bond says the library is a fun resource to nurture a child's curiosity. The program offers more than books with trips into the community. Some of my favorites are we're going to go to Austin's Ice Cream and I'm going to do an ice cream story time. We're going to go to the airport and this is the coolest thing ever. We're going to be doing story time and at 15 after the hour when we're there, a plane is supposed to be coming in. This year's theme is All Together Now. Local businesses, community members, and other organizations will be volunteering together at the block party and during the summer's program. Arthur says that this opportunity gives students a place to learn during summer break. It keeps children reading throughout the summer, and they don't lose that reading level 
as long as they're continuing to read and focus on that during the summer. Bond says she enjoys seeing old faces from the program return. A lot of times we don't get to see some of the kids during the school year because they get caught up in school. And then we see these kids that maybe we had when they were three years old and then they come in as seventh and eighth graders or even in high school. And they're like, I used to play the summer reading game. Do you remember me? And I would remember them. They're just bigger. Sign-ups for the summer reading program will take place on Monday, June 12th from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Cabell County Public Library's kickoff block party. Summer reading will also take place at all eight branches across the county. For News Center 88, I'm Luke Hamilton. Good evening, everyone, for this special edition of News Center 88, live from the Memorial Student Plaza at Marshall University. For this Monday, September 11th, 2023, I'm Luke Hamilton. September 11th, 2001, and the tragic events left a scar on the lives of the American people. Student reporter Luke Hamilton has a special report in memory of 9-11. This year marks the 22nd anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center, where 2,606 people were killed. 184 lives were lost after Flight 77 hit the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and all 40 passengers and crew members died on Flight 93 heading to the nation's capital but was brought down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania after a group of brave passengers attempted to relinquish control from the hijackers. On Friday, a remembrance ceremony was held at the Pentagon. Many of us have personal memories of what happened that day. An increasing share of Americans don't. They were too young or they hadn't even been born yet. Even so, 9-11 has impacted their lives and they should know how and why. And so telling our stories helps increase understanding across generations. That was Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks. She spoke at the remembrance ceremony on Friday to emphasize the historical significance of 9-11. Hicks's speech came shortly after Admiral Christopher Grady, the 12th Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I ask you to remember this day, the pain it brought, but also the unity that it fostered, the determination that it sparked, and the courageous service over self-interest which it spurred. We are all shaped by our past, but it is how we move forward that truly defines us. This afternoon, the annual anniversary ceremony was held in New York City as the bugle played and the name reading commenced. President Joe Biden did not attend as he visits Alaska today to show Americans the impact these terrorist attacks had on every corner of the United States. The country's leaders have always reinforced the importance of remembering the events that reshaped our nation's history and being prepared for future acts of terrorism. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. They'll see the names of the fallen on bridges and statues, at gardens and schools, and they will know that nothing can break the will of a truly united States of America. The September 11th attack is seared into our soul. It was a day filled with shock, horror, sorrow, and righteous fury. Unity and resilience, the capacity to recover and repair in the face of trauma, unity and service. Last night, the skies where the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center formerly stood are once again being lit up with the tribute in light. The annual display sends up two powerful beams that can be seen from miles around from dusk to dawn in memory of the lives lost. Audio and information courtesy of the Associated Press. For News Center 88, I'm Luke Hamilton. Thanks, Luke. We will now move on to a story about an Ashland, Kentucky resident named Lori Wilt, who knew exactly where she was on September 11, 2001. 
So we weren't watching the news. We didn't really know what was happening. And then our boss, John Gallagher, he had a little TV in his office, and he came in, and he said, you won't believe what's happening, and told us, and I rushed in to see what was happening, and then I was like, oh, no, that's where my brother works. Lori's brother, Johnny A.P., worked on the 39th floor of the World Trade Center and ran down 39 flights of stairs just in time to escape the building's collapse. Well, he said he felt the building shake, and he just had a bad feeling, and he didn't wait around. Like, they were telling people, oh, it's fine, don't, you know, you don't have to worry, and he just thought, no, something's wrong, and he didn't even take any of his belongings. He just started running down the steps. And then when he got to the, to the bottom, the building started to collapse. But where he lived at the time, he lived on East 89th, which is far from the World Trade Center. And he had no way to get home because there was no subway service. There were no taxis. So he had to walk home like 10 miles. Communities and family all around the world and the tri-state felt the impacts of September 11th and the tragic events that unfolded that day. As we wrap up Homecoming Week, reporter Luke Hamilton has a look at WMUL's annual homecoming event. Back together and out! The sound of screaming, sledgehammers, and excitement filled the air on Homecoming Week on Buzzkirk Field as WMUL held its 21st annual car bash. Participants bashed the car for two minutes while getting a chance to let out a wide variety of emotions and relieve stress. Uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of demons pent up in there. No, but I got a good bit out. I think I could have done better than that, but I got the hammer stuck in the door multiple times. I felt good about that. Uh, just the blonde rage. <laughs> a lot of college stress, man. I had a little anxiety before I went out there, but once I started swinging... Yeah, I just wanted to go out there and have fun, really. It was nice. The bash was a breathtaking experience, as all the worries and pieces of the car were left on the field. Well, I saw it this morning as I was walking to class. I was like, man, I got to get in on that. I had something very unfortunate happen to me over the weekend, and I haven't been able to get it off my mind. And I'll tell you what, that helped. It really did. I figured it would. I didn't think the that I would go as hard as I did. Is is right I'm so out of breath. With the two front doors hanging on by its hinges, a student returned for round two without his previous bashing partner for a rematch with the driver's side door. I felt really good. I went in that as my second time. I went in my first time, got a little distracted by who I was with. That time went in, really locked in on the hinges. And it came off pretty, you know, it was a bit of a buzzer beater at the moment, but it felt good to take it off. The doors were not the only detached parts of the car. Two Marshall students partnered up for a two-minute workout, chipping away at the hood. Yeah, so the, the guys before us had pulled the hood back, and I saw the weakness points, and I started hitting the weak points, and it, it broke. I was kind of hitting the one corner of it, and I saw that it was like the corner was kind of folding in. I saw Junior over here. He got his side off, and I was like, Junior, just come over here and start hitting this side. Next thing I know, the hood's off the car. The car was adorned with spray paint in the colors of Old Dominion. The theme perfectly captured the buzz surrounding Marshall's homecoming football game, coming just a week after the sold-out victory against Virginia Tech. By the time the car's design was unrecognizable, Marshall's president, Brad D. Smith, and student body president, Walker Tatum, stopped by to check out the remains. I think that Car Bash is a really amazing opportunity for students to be able to come out and show their school spirit, especially it being during homecoming week. It's really nice to have it, especially the time of day and the day that we have it. This gives an opportunity for students to come out and be involved in somewhat of a homecoming activity, but at the same time, take out maybe any frustration or anger that they may have towards whatever it may be. 
Homecoming is always an amazing time here on the Marshall campus. Our students are the lifeblood of the campus and you can see how excited they are this week. They're taking some of their frustrations out as they're bashing this amazing vehicle. But we're excited to welcome ODU to the campus and we're ready to show the world what the herd is made of. After 21 years of successful bashing, Marshall students prepare for the remainder of the fall semester and the tail end of homecoming week. But I'm definitely coming back next year for sure. For News Center 88, I'm Luke Hamilton. Thanks, Luke. If you're wanting to see the Jeep Liberty and all of its destruction, it'll be on display during this evening's homecoming parade at 6 p.m. This is a New Center 88 special report. Let's go live to the Marshall Memorial Student Center Plaza for the annual Memorial Fountain Ceremony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 53rd annual Fountain Ceremony here on the Memorial Student Center Plaza at Marshall University. I'm Luke Hamilton. I'm joined here today alongside Emma Johnson and Michaela Wheeler as we prepare for the Memorial Fountain Ceremony here at Marshall University. Marshall Athletics has had an eventful weekend here in Huntington. There's just always an atmosphere at the Memorial game that's unlike any other event in college sports. So bringing home a few wins for the herd was a perfect way to commemorate the occasion. Sunday, like you said, Marshall men's soccer won the Sunbelt Conference Championship against our in-state rival WVU, which topped off a perfect weekend for Marshall fans. And that was after all of the excitement at the football game on Saturday. The sold-out crowd at the soccer game was unmatched, and winning two important games reminded the Marshall community why we compete and why we do everything we do. We do it for the 75. This year's keynote speaker is Craig Greenlee, who is a Marshall football player. Greenlee is from Jacksonville, Florida, and was part of the football team at the time of the crash, but he went home for Thanksgiving break after deciding not to play football after two years of playing safety for the Thundering Herd. And after that, Greenlee decided to focus on his education, and he actually pursued, pursued a bachelor's degree in journalism here at Marshall and spent over four decades in sports journalism and then writing books as well. And I think it's very interesting, especially for us being in the journalism field, to see someone today come out and talk about such a serious topic and get to learn about his career, possibly, and just his perspective during that time in that era. Yeah, these last few ceremonies have hit a deeper chord with the WMUL team than in years past, specifically because we can see ourselves in the guests. A few years ago, we had the honor of interviewing the younger sister of Gary George, who died in the plane crash. He was also a journalism major here at Marshall and actually worked as an announcer on WMUL. And Greenlee has spent his life as a journalist, and he's reported on sports along with authoring a book titled November Ever After, a memoir of tragedy and triumph in the wake of the 1970 Marshall football plane crash. Well, we are now going to turn it over to the podium as the ceremony is starting. On Tuesday, November 14th, Marshall University hosted the 53rd Annual Fountain Ceremony. People gather around the fountain in remembrance of 75 athletes, coaches, fans, and plane crew that tragically passed away. Marshall President Brad D. Smith and keynote speaker Craig Greenlee emphasized the importance of sharing their stories. Their story are your stories. As we pay homage to the 75 souls that were lost, let's also appreciate the tapestries within the tapestry. The stories within the story. Marshall's story doesn't just reach the city limits of Huntington or the state limits of West Virginia, but has touched people from hundreds of miles away. People with no connection to the crash have been influenced by these stories with a long-lasting effect. 
Steve Fretcher, and his daughter, Andrea Fretcher, who are from Effingham, Illinois, say that learning Marshall's story has changed their lives annually. Back in 2006, we watched the movie. It just kind of meant something to us as a father and a daughter. And I've been through on I-64 before and had never stopped. And I stopped one time and I came to the fountain and I went to the cemetery and I said, we have to come back. We thought, hey, maybe we should go to the fountain ceremony if COVID happened. But we still decided to come and see what it was about. We wanted to go to a game, experience the community, the school, everything about it. And we fell in love with it. Steve and his daughter never anticipated having a deep connection with the ceremony. We're just innocent bystanders here, and we had no agenda when we first came here. The first year was the COVID year, so we were standing way back there, and we couldn't get up here. That's kind of how I envisioned that it was going to be for us. We were just going to come and be bystanders. The Marshall community welcomed them without hesitation. Their dedication has even led to their involvement in the ceremony. So many people kept approaching us, mm-hmm. and we kept getting introduced to so many people that it just kept, like, snowballing. We've been so. welcomed with open arms by everyone. It's like we're from here, too, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we aren't. But we've been invited to do some wonderful things. We got to lay a rose today. What yeah. an honor. Steve and Andrea like to take on the challenge of bringing their experiences home to those who may not know. It's hard to explain to people back home. They're not as familiar with this. And some people haven't seen the movie. Maybe they've heard of it, but they don't know anything about it. Yeah, this is a real town. This is a real school. This is These are real people. Just like the friends and family of the 75, the decision to come back to Huntington each year is simple for Andrea and her father. We want to make the trip every year, at least once a year. We're coming back. We're coming back every yep. year. Craig Greenlee says the passionate people, both in and outside of Huntington, should carry on the stories of those who've lived through the tragedy. We should keep telling the story so that it remains fresh in the minds of every generation. It's a timeless story, a story that's worth telling. Craig Greenlee's speech inspired those in attendance at this year's ceremony, and those affected will continue to share their perspectives. For News Center 88, I'm Nathaniel Hara. Hello, and welcome back to the 53rd annual Memorial Fountain Ceremony here at Marshall University. I'm Luke Hamilton. Joining me is Michaela Wheeler and Emma Johnson. And right now we have with us Jeff Jones, who attended the event today. And any perspective on viewing it from your father working in sports media or just in media at all, with the coverage of the event, and, and how important do you think that is for people well, to do? we were at the airport waiting to pick him up. I'll never forget his last things he told. I've got two brothers. He said to us, if you all can be good, I'll bring you a pizza home tomorrow night. Oh, my gosh. I think about that all the time. And um, But the thing about it was we were sitting in the terminal at the airport, and Boz Johnson was the anchor at Channel 3 at that time. Nobody came and told us anything had happened. We saw it on the news flash that he did on Channel 3. We were in the terminal just sitting there waiting. I can't imagine how that takes away from the experience to find out on the news before. Uh, and one of my brothers was out. I think it was Phil, my younger brother, and 
he said he saw the the uh, flash of the crash. I was 12, he was 7, and my older brother was 14. It's spooky season, and that means the annual tradition around here, fondly referred to as the Pumpkin House, is maybe the most popular road trip for Marshall students right now. About 20 years ago, I got an invitation from the Martha Stewart Show to appear in New York on her program. I told them I can't do that. They wanted to do it like two days before Halloween. I said, we'll be finishing up, I can't do it. So as a consolation prize, they sent me a beater. It looks like a mixer beater with a long stem. In her honor, we named that the Marthanator, and we used the Marthanator back there to really scoop the hard pumpkins. People travel across the tri-state and the country to see the pumpkin extravaganza. Rick says the pumpkins he designs by hand all have a story behind them. To annoy my neighbors, we have a group of about 30 to 50 cats that human voices acting like cats sing, God bless America and other favorites, and uh, it goes on until dawn, so I'm sure my neighbors love me. The cat choir Rick describes has even played a role in drawing a reaction out of some people who pass through to catch a glimpse of the house. This is especially true when the pumpkins are designed to mimic presidential candidates. A cat choir jumped in and sang God Bless America. Well, the first time we set that up, a lady with a Trump t-shirt came around the corner and I thought, she's gonna pull a pistol out of her purse and shoot me. And I said, I hope this doesn't offend you, ma'am. And she looked at them both and she said, are you kidding? They're both pumpkin heads. So I survived that one. Last year, Rick says someone came by to smash the pumpkin resembling President Joe Biden. This year, he has a plan in place to prevent that. This year, I'm going to make two Bidens, and uh, if one gets smashed, I'll replace him with another. Another fond memory about the pumpkin house involves a student who volunteered to carve for an unusual purpose. He had plunked a test, and his professor said, if you volunteer for three hours at the pumpkin house, I'll give you ten points. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, it's great to have you here. I appreciate your help, but next time it would be a lot easier to study. The Pumpkin House welcomes students and members of the community to stop by and enjoy the decor surrounding Rick and all his hard work in preparation for this year's display.